Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a weekly program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. This program is brought to you by Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and for the next half hour, I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will help you expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. So many are tired of trying harder to live the Christian life. I've got great news for you. You can stop trying. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Hello and welcome to Still Growing in Grace. I'm glad you tuned back in for another exciting week of good news. And that's what I want to share on this program all the time. Just good news. There's so much bad news in the news today that it can become quite depressing and we can kind of feel like, oh no, what's this world coming to? Well, I promise you that the one who put this world together is holding it together and is not absent from from all that's going on. So today, I want to encourage you with some very important words. There are some individuals that I have met, and I've walked through this myself. Uh, we see this all around us, but there are people that need hope. There's a lot of people trying to find hope, especially when they're walking through great difficulties. What if you have nothing? How do you find hope when you have nothing. And that is a great topic. And I'm going to say something very interesting on the front end, just to kind of be like a hook to see uh, if you can see where this is going to go. But I'm wondering, have you ever thought that you may not have enough nothing in order to experience God's provision. That's a very strange line to say, but I will explain it, especially when we take a look at this next exciting biblical story. So today's topic is finding hope when you have nothing. And so we're going to look at the uh, book of 2 Kings, chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. That's kind of where we're going to uh, stay for today. And it, it is a story that may not be common to too many people. But uh, I heard uh, a teaching on this years and years ago by John Maxwell. And I love how he spun this. And then as I continue to grow in my own grace journey, I found a lot of hope in this particular text. Uh, while inspired from what John Maxwell was teaching, I found a, a great lens to help me see an even deeper truth. So I hope you'll stick with me today as we talk through uh, how to find hope when we have nothing. Let's start with the story. So I might as well read from the New Living Translation, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Actually, I'm going to uh, start at verse 4. Uh, this will make a little more sense. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me what to do. What do you have in your house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. 
Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Wow, what a powerful, powerful story. Here's a woman with nothing. She has no husband, no income, no money, no food, and no prospects of things getting better at all. She had two sons, but the creditors came to take them away as slaves, which apparently they were allowed to do back then. This is a very, very bleak situation. Have you faced a bleak situation where you feel there's no way out and you have no hope? I know a number of years ago, uh, I had a pretty dark moment of, of being afraid because of what I thought might happen. And I woke up um, in the middle of the night. I did not sleep well. I worried. I prayed. I did everything I could according to what I learned growing up of what to do when you're afraid. And so I, I prayed this prayer, prayed that prayer, did a little bit of fasting. I did everything I could, and I was still afraid. I thought I was going to lose everything I owned and that my family would be in a very, very difficult place. I did not want to put them through that. Um, I, and yet, around me, I had much. I, I was not in a place of having nothing, but I was focusing my attention on what could happen that had not even happened. I was only doing what my friend Ken says. I was doing this thing called fantasy thinking, creating a fantasy of what could happen, focusing on that fantasy, feeding more fear from it, and then trying to come up with ways uh, to get out of that fantasy idea that hadn't even happened. I'm sure none of us listening or watching on video have ever had that happen to them. <laughs> we do. We call it worry. Or if you don't like that word worry, we say, well, I'm just concerned. <laughs> it's funny how we can spin all these terms to not have to admit, yep, I've been focusing on worry. Well, this woman also had nothing left. She was in deep distress. It says, in fact, when she went uh, to, to Elisha to get some help, um, he's really trying to tell her something powerful here. It's as if the prophet were saying, listen, you don't have enough emptiness. You've told me that you have nothing in your house except a little oil. But really, what you want is to get really empty. 
And this is a very new thought for many people because we are wired in our culture today to make sure we provide, take care of our needs. We have next day's meal figured out. Uh, some are just trying to scrape by on a very low, low wage. Um, sometimes they have to choose between groceries and rent. Sometimes they have to choose between medicine and food. Uh, it's a very dire time. By the way, if you're one who knows somebody who is struggling like that, Find a way to be a grace giver and help where you can, for that is the love of God coming through. Back to the story. He said to the widow to gather up all of her... By the way, this is a quote from John Maxwell. Uh, he said to the widow, gather up all of the nothing that you have and go out into the neighborhood and borrow all the nothing you can get. Then go back to your empty house, close the door, and be with the two boys that you don't have, because they're going to be taken away, and see what God can do in your life. Hmm. Great quote by John Maxwell. There's a couple of questions that need to be asked. Um, if you don't think about these, I'm planting these thoughts into you. Is it possible is it possible that if you're not experiencing God's presence and provision in your life, you may not be empty enough? Is it possible you might be begging God for an experience of wholeness, spiritual closeness, warmth, um, an affirming of your identity or affirming that you're accepted, oops, accepted and loved. Is there a chance that that is a possibility that you are begging God for something that is already yours? Is it possible too that you might be trying to work through your financial difficulties and, and try to make sure you have all the stuff you need in advance, and yet you're still asking God for provision. What if you may not have enough of nothing? Maybe you have more than you thought in your possession already. This woman did come to the end of nothing. She had nothing, no, nothing in her house. She might have sold all of her furniture. Who knows? Um, they weren't big houses back then, but either way, everything had value. So if all she had was a jar of oil, Elisha knew what to do. He had an inspiration given to him by the Holy Spirit of what to say and what to do. Is it possible then that you may be trying to help God out and are living from a mindset of self-reliance? There are many people who are crying out for help. I have people come to me all the time asking for help. Financial handouts. We see it everywhere. We have relatives who need help. You have relatives who need help. We have friends and, and neighbors that are just in crises. And sometimes, sometimes, we run and quickly fix a need or fill a need um, and forget that God may have a different way of trying to meet that need. Or what if, and this is where I've been guilty, I'm heading into a crisis and I try to then find all the possible ways to avoid the crisis to make sure I, I have a, a, an extra job if I'm going to lose a job or, or whatever I can possibly do. And I'm trying to get everything done in advance so I don't have to worry and I don't have to live in reliance on God, although some of us can say and will say, yes, but I trust God in all that trying. That's great. It's true. But there are times where if we're honest and we pause for a minute and we realize 
maybe I've been doing this out of my flesh or ego. I'm trying to do it out of my self-reliance, and there isn't room for God to do the work in me. Huh, self-reliance. Only you can answer that question. And sometimes it takes great emptiness and nothingness to reveal that idea. Remember, the widow did try everything she possibly could do, and her effort was valiant. She doesn't get this kind of credit. Sometimes uh, I've heard sermons on this, and it's her poor faith that brought her to her misery. And I'm thinking, no, her faith was just fine. The world was in crisis. Her situation was in crisis. And so might yours. It might be an authentic, difficult crisis. And she did everything in her effort that she could. And then she came to the man of God, the one who represented God. Now, back then, that was a normal thing to do. Today, we have God living in us. We can call out to God within. Say, Father, I need help. Jesus, I need help. Holy Spirit, I need help. And we call on the Trinity to be wisdom and provision for us. These are good things. But her effort in the story was valiant. She did everything she could. She tried to scrape together things. She tried to sell. She did everything a great mom would do to try to keep her kids from being taken as slaves. Listen, a parent usually does everything they can in their power to protect their children. A parent does that. Wait a minute. We are called children of God. Imagine if you use that same logic towards our Heavenly Father and know that He, too, will do everything He can to make provision for us. And He does one day at a time, sometimes one moment at a time, and we do not realize how he has given us provision because we're so busy looking at all of our own ways of trying to get our needs met on our own. Well, today, this is about God reliance, looking at the emptiness in us and realizing that God is attracted to it and wants to fill it. So let's come back in the second half of this program to talk about more about nothing. Family run, family owned. So their focus is on you. Conestoga Lodge Retirement Residence is a full-service retirement home in Kitchener, and you'll be impressed to know that they are not a big corporate chain. They're quality-driven with a focus on each and every individual. Conestoga Lodge offers permanent and short-term stays. To book a free, no-obligation tour, you can call 519-576-2140 or visit online at conestogalodge.com. Martin Small Engines and Auto Clinic in Elmira is more than small engines. Like their name says, Martin's is also a full-service auto clinic focused on automotive repair and service, brakes, tires, local lockout service, and so much more. Whatever you need, Martin's can do it. For that small-town feel with large shop quality, trust a team that really cares. Martin's Small Engines and Auto Clinic, Industrial Drive Elmira and martinselmira.com. Welcome back to the second half of Still Growing in Grace. We are taking a look at the story from 2 Kings where Elisha helps a widow in deep distress. She is deeply troubled. She's trying to take care of her children because they're going to be taken away because she is so much in debt. 
The story summed up as this. He asks her what's in your house. She says nothing except, wait, there's a flask of oil. So he says, get that oil, find all the empty jars you can get, even get them from your neighbors. Fill, fill, fill every jar you possibly can. Go into your house. So she goes into her house, fills the whole, uh, takes takes the, her little tiny flask of all that she has left and starts filling all these jars. And they kept getting filled and filled and filled. Can you imagine what those two sons were thinking? They must have been giddy with extreme excitement. Can you imagine the emotions of mom as she's seeing this miracle unfold that she's pouring and these things are getting full from this little tiny thingy, the miracle of like complete overflowing fullness from this oil container was going to all these jars. What excitement. Now, here's the part I didn't have time in the first half of the program to highlight. The part I want to emphasize and wake us all up to is this. When did the oil stop flowing? It stopped flowing when there weren't in any more empty jars. There was no more emptiness. There was no more nothing. It was now all full. Hence the question, maybe there's not enough nothing in your life. Maybe you've got enough self-reliance going on in you that you don't need to depend on God because you've got your job, you've got your bank account, you've got your savings, you've got your health, you've got a health plan, you've got everything. You don't need God. But when crisis hits and all that's taken away, suddenly we call on God? Funny, when we have nothing, sometimes we are naturally, supernaturally drawn to our great provider, our Heavenly Father. This is the love of God. It does not need to come to that. It does not need to come to a place of where you have to lose all that. There are many people today who are very wealthy and God has blessed them with much. Please don't judge them. Just like the rich can judge the poor, the poor judge the rich in the same way and say, oh, how did you get all that? Well, maybe they got it from some really hard work and some really wise decisions. So this is not about judging. But to those who are rich, to those who are poor, to those who are coasting along just fine, neither poor nor rich, this is about learning to live in absolute dependence on your Heavenly Father to provide for you moment by moment, instant by instant. God is attracted to brokenness. He's attracted to the hurting. We see so many stories in the New Testament where Jesus is drawn to those who need healing, and he goes and he heals. Let's take a look at the story of Elisha again. There's another story in 2 Kings 6. And again, this is a picture of the compassion of our Heavenly Father. This is how much He cares about even the little things. I don't know about you, but I've prayed some prayers, and I thought, ah, I'm not going to add on that extra prayer because that's that's small stuff. I'll only bring the big stuff to God. Well, you know what? It's all small stuff to God. It may feel like big things to you or it might feel like a small thing to you, but we are to bring all of our requests to God and God hears and already answers in advance. Take a look at this story. So 2 Kings 6 verse 6. One day, the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River, where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. 
Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said, and so he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and grabbed it. So, how poor do you have to be to borrow even an axe head? That's pretty poor. Mercy was shown to another person who had nothing. He was, even the thing he had was borrowed. He had nothing. He had no money, no nothing. He was just part of the group. And here, this borrowed item, even that was an act of mercy to the care of the one who lost even that, because he knew he'd have to pay that back. Grace wins when it comes to searching out and helping those who need it most. And you may be in a place today where you're feeling like you need more. More what? More stuff? More money? More health? Uh, more encouragement? Are you feeling lonely and need more relationship? You can put on whatever you want onto that list. Uh, everyone listening will probably have a different answer to that list. What do you want more of? I've got a fun list in my head, and I've got a, t- a serious list in my head, too, of, of what I want more of. But I've also come to realize that Everything I have and everything I need has been provided by my Heavenly Father through my path, through my journey that He has guided me on. Even when I messed up the journey and chose a path for a period of time that was contrary to what it would have been uh, God's direction in my life, when I tried to do it on my own, He still walked with me. He did not abandon me, and He will not abandon you in your time of need. God's attracted to that. Perhaps today we can just take time to stop. I met with a gentleman recently, and I encouraged this man who was carrying a lot of burdens in his mind, in his life. Just There was authentic stress going on. And I suggested something that, I too need to listen to. I was really speaking to myself and I only realized that a couple minutes into my advice. And and here was the advice. You need to take time away from the busyness of everything that's going on and just take time to stop and think, pray, meditate, ponder, contemplate. Um, The person said, but I need to go on a holiday and everything will be fine. And I said, no, a holiday will not fix your mess. But if you begin today to even take a day, take a day off, not a week, take one day off, find a day to go and think, ponder, write, not even speak, just think and observe nature. Oh, you can't do a day? How about you start with 10 minutes this week? Start with 10 minutes each morning, 10 minutes for this week. Next week, make it 15 minutes. After that, make it half an hour. And as time goes, you're going to find that you'll have an hour uh, throughout the day. You might only be able to do a couple of days a week where you may be able to take that kind of time out. Who knows what your life is like and what stage of life you're at. But then peace will become a new thing that you're going to experience. 
because the chaos of this world will not control you anymore. God is drawn to those who are having that hard time. Not only is he drawn to those that are in situations of lack of resources, finances, food, housing, you name it. He is also drawn to those who think they have it all and appear to have it all, but inside they are lacking the peace of Christ to walk and experience God's goodness day to day. He's attracted to that as well. That might be you. Well, take some advice today. Maybe it's a good day to take some time. In Mark uh, Mark 6, uh, verses 30 to 44... Uh, Jesus is with his disciples. Uh, There's a huge crowd that appears, and the Bible says that Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. This is how Jesus sees things. He sees all people through a lens of deep, full grace. The moment Jesus saw them, he saw they were spiritually bankrupt. They had nothing, nothing spiritual and nothing to eat. And Christ demonstrated for over 5,000 people what he can do with nothing. He took such a small meal from a small child and he turned that into a huge meal so that everyone was satisfied and they had leftovers. Now that's grace. When it's much more than we were ever asking for. Or how about the miracle, his first miracle at a wedding? It's a story of him taking nothing, something that had run out, and turned it into wine. They filled the water jars with water, and Jesus turned it into wine. And it wasn't just regular wine. This was the best wine that Jesus made. You will always find Jesus interested in the nothingness of humanity. Would you consider yourself as a candidate today? Emptiness can be a gift from God, either directly gifted or waking up to an awareness of it. Emptiness can mean that I have a need. If I am empty, then I am empty of something. That emptiness encourages me to search. Emptiness motivated the woman to go to the prophet for help. Emptiness brought a Samaritan woman to the well. Emptiness brought and helped a prodigal son to stop and think in the pig pen. What does emptiness motivate you to do? Does it it make you crawl into a hole with self-pity? Well, let me encourage you to run to the one who's attracted to emptiness, whose arms are outstretched to you, loving you and accepting you, not seeing any mistakes as a hindrance towards a relationship with you. God is attracted to emptiness. See and believe he loves you today. Thanks for watching. Looking for adventure in the great outdoors? It's not far from your own backyard at Conestoga River Horseback Adventures. Fun for the whole family or why not your next corporate party? Trail rides are offered all year round and other options like pony rides and birthday parties for the young cowboys and cowgirls. Afterwards, you can relax and keep the party going in their large, comfortable lounge. Conestoga River Horseback Adventures, 519-888-6503 and horsebackadventures.ca. 
Are you looking for an encouraging church where you'll discover hope in God who truly loves and accepts you? Hope Fellowship in North Waterloo meets every Sunday at 1030, and the great coffee is only the first thing you'll appreciate. If you're looking for a safe place, a relaxed community of people who want to grow in the freedom of God's grace, welcome to Hope Fellowship, second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. Learn more at hopefellowshipycc.com, and they do have that great coffee. You've been listening to Still Growing in Grace. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and I'd like to invite you to join me next Tuesday morning at 1130 when our teaching time will continue. Or join us at 1030 every Sunday morning at Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. If this show has been an encouragement to you, won't you help us spread this good news? Make your donation today by visiting stillgrowingingrace.ca. You can also catch up on past programs, watch YouTube videos of our talks, and download our weekly podcasts. Sign up for our email list and send in your questions. After all, no one has arrived, and we are all still growing in grace.